0: You know, there's some people in life that are just natural observers. Um, they have this inclination to, to look around and just really try and understand things and study them and try and make sense of them. And we never really know why, right? Maybe it's genetics, maybe it's their environment, maybe there's a spiritual purpose. We don't, we don't really get answers to those questions. But what we do know is when people have that, that, that ability or that inclination and they do observe and they do study, they usually are able to see the world in a unique way and pull out insights that may be a bit under the covers that they can kind of see and and make sense of. And and I think my guest Austin today fits directly into this category. Um, It's funny, we started the conversation talking about dogs and and dogs are a big part of his life. And um, you'll hear he grew up around dogs. And we started to think about, you know, maybe that's where we started to hone this skill was just in trying to understand their behavior. It kind of unlocked this, this observation of life. And um, for him, it eventually led to him becoming a dog trainer because he started to understand it so well. And eventually after that, he became a trainer of young athletes and then eventually began training their parents um, and, and does a lot of training work there now. And it was just, you know, along each step in this journey, you saw that that process of observing and studying. Um, he was constantly taking in more input from his own experiences through life and the interactions he was having, reassessing his kind of systems and frameworks he was using and really determining kind of the optimal approaches. And it sounds all very technical and, and all that, but it's funny because the conversation started off pretty light and direct. Um, Austin started talking about movement as his most important value, Then we kind of went down a path talking about the very basic primal benefits of movement. You know, we talked about how it's related to a dog's need to move and how our bodies, you know, will stop allocating resources to things we're not using. So you kind of use it or lose it. Um, How pain factors into that, how that becomes a part of it. Um, And it was through this that it became, he started to understand Austin's ability to see things in different situations, wherever they might be. And he talked about a personal experience of his own with a severe leg injury, injury, Sorry, um, which led him to understanding the importance of like a relationship with pain. And that's where you started to see the, the insights he pulled out of it. Um, and I found that fascinating because I find pain fascinating in general. But some of those deeper insights he started to learn through that experience about his own ego and how that played into it, um, about lessons for listening to your body and determining what type of pain you're dealing with. And you just couldn't help as the progression as the progression of the conversation went on. Um, it just became more obvious how kind of effortlessly Austin went through his observe, study, optimized process in his life. Um, now his expertise and passion is around physical activity, kind of training, therapy. So naturally we covered a lot of those topics and it was really interesting to hear his deeper observations on those. And then we also realized maybe the somewhat obvious conclusion that these same lessons, the things he was identifying about physical activity and pain and therapy, um, they could be applied to all aspects of life, particularly the mental aspects of life. And and I think that kind of illustrates why we need observers in the world, because no matter their field, no matter their passion or what they're drawn to, they identify these patterns about us and about the world we live in that we can all learn from and use to our advantage. So big thanks to Austin for being on. Really enjoyed the conversation and hope you guys do too. All right, Austin. Thanks so much for being on, man. Really appreciate you making the time. Psyched to talk to you. Um, I always just jump right in, so I'll do it here too and ask you the question, what's the value that's most important to you?
1: Honestly, I would say mm, it's kind of a combination of two. That's a tricky one. That's a tricky it is, one. It is. So I'm I'm stuck between I'm stuck between movement of some kind and and doing something that you truly love or enjoy of mm. some kind. Mm. Right. So I I don't know. I think those are close enough where I can blend those two into one, right? And kind of make make them almost the same thing. But I would say what's most important to me for sure is, is making sure that you're, you're getting out of living life enjoying yourself, but definitely, definitely moving someone.
0: The moving one's interesting. And I, I assumed we'd get into that somewhat, just given what you do and your background. Um, so I could guess intuitively I could guess, but talk to me a little bit about that. Cause I, I think I've come to realize this later in life too, that like, you could get really philosophical and talk about all different like virtues and different traits and values and different things. But right. I, I do think there is something very primal, at least how I think of it very primal and like, we need to move. It's not, it's not like oh, a choice even. We just have to, how do you think about that? Why is that so important to you? Is it in that vein
1: or how do you think about it? So, I mean, somewhat, yeah. Kind of so like in our, our little pre-conversation we were having before this, I was saying I was a dog trainer before I was a personal trainer. We've got my brother's dog, my puppy nephew over here now. He's running around wrestling, causing a ruckus. <laughs> Sorry to listeners at home if you hear that. Yeah, we got a lot of dog lovers that listen. To <laughs> well, well, that's good. They're they're good looking guys, but they're, <laughs> they're hooligans. We we have a good time, but it's it's kind of comes from a very you move you use it or you lose it sort of basis, right? So I think we've all heard this before. Kind of the older I get, and the more injuries I've both dealt with and recovered from in my athletic past it's I've kind of come to this understanding of like all right if I don't move my knees are gonna hurt my ankles are gonna hurt my back's not gonna operate so like things are things are gonna go wrong right and when you stop moving the joints in a sense start shutting down now it's not like they just start immediately turning off but Realistically, they just get less resources in terms of synovial fluid, oxygen, and that's that's really. I mean, your body's not using it, so it's like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna send my resources there. So I've just figured out, man. It's either either you're gonna move or it's gonna hurt. Hmm. So it's like really, it's really basic.
0: Yeah, (laughs) like it's almost like foundational, right? Like no matter what you want to do in life no matter what your aspirations are, no matter what you enjoy, if your body doesn't work, or, or maybe even more simply, like, if you're in pain, right, like, it's hard to enjoy any of that stuff. It's hard to go after any of that stuff you want to go after. Is it on that very, like, very logical, like, very pragmatic level?
1: Yeah, pretty much. It's it's so much simpler than I think a lot of people think or or try and make it out to be, right, I think it's sometimes people, uh, kind of like you said, will go into a, a big philosophical kind of offshoot as to why they work out and, and why they do specific things that they do. And obviously in, in all of my programs, I have reasons for doing what I'm doing. And they, they, right these, these decisions aren't just made willy-nilly, but that being said, it's like the the very simple basis of it is like if you're if you're not going to if you're not gonna move your body's not gonna it's not gonna give you anything back it's not gonna prepare for it it's not going to it's not going to hold up well blitz see they hear you they're taking your advice
0: they're like I got I gotta get moving
1: I know. I know, that's the problem. So they're both like work and breed dogs. So we just actually came back from a walk trying to get this younger one trained. It's, it's you know, obviously good fun, good stress. All right.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this, Austin, because I think maybe I'll try and take it a little bit abstract and, and see where it goes. But like, I, I think what I like to do with this show is like, I, I just think things are interesting. So I like to explore and examine all sides of things. I think there's some people that believe today And maybe there's even truth to it that like, yeah, if you, if you talk about a dog, if you talk about us, you know, thousands of years ago, everything you're saying is true and holds, but the, the beauty of humanity and our consciousness and where we're at is that we've evolved mentally to a place where we don't have to do that anymore. Like there's, there's technology, there's medicine, there's medical treatment. Like we can enjoy life at such a deep level and we can be pretty stationary. Like we got our computers and our Wi-Fi and our TV, like you don't actually need that anymore. That was the old days. Like we don't need that anymore. And, and I get that there's a logic to it. I'm not saying it's right, but there's a logic to it. How, how do you, how do you think about that? How do you respond to that?
1: So I, I typically start asking, and it's unfortunate, but I typically start asking quality of life questions.
2: Hmm.
1: So it's like, well, how much can you do sitting down? I mean, at, at a certain point we have all of these things, right. That, Give us time back. Right. So let's let's kind of make it make it, I guess, less abstract. I, I in my kitchen have this magical box called a dishwasher. And because I own one of these, I don't have to wash dishes. That gives me time back that I can go do something with. Right. I don't have to walk three and a half days or however long to get to work because I can go get in the car and it gets me there in 15 minutes and that gives me time back so it's 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 kind of almost a catch-22 right because we're not necessarily in a situation where you have things that are going to live life for you and from a quality of life perspective are going to necessarily take care of that for you. They, I mean, quality of life technology does help. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. Right. Obviously if we didn't have computers, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. And we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have figured out how to make this happen. So technology does help, but there are certain things that if you can't get up and walk up the stairs, what does it matter if you've got a three-story house, Mm -hmm. you can't walk through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So You've, you've got to kind of take care of, or realistically, you, you've got to take care of all, all of your bases to have, at least in my experience, right, the the fullest quality of life.
0: Hmm. Well, tell me a little bit about that experience, because I think that's interesting, too, of like, there's a lot of people who may generally agree with you, but they don't embody it or live it maybe as much as you are, take it as far as you are. How did you get to this point where for you, it was like, nah, like this this is the thing. This is the This is the number one thing.
1: That's, that's a good question. Uh, I think so a combination of doing it consistently and as well, as well, injuries. I So my senior year in school, I basically got so busy. I It's not like I stopped eating, but my calorie intake significantly reduced for the amount of calorie output that I was currently operating on just because I was like constantly just not paying attention to it off Mm -hmm. kind of doing all of the things that I had to do during my senior year of college. Ended up kind of blowing, blowing a hamstring, basically not kind of. It was out for the duration of the season. And it was kind of just getting, I think immediately restricted to a chair that made me kind of go, Oh, okay. So Not because when I say the duration of the season, I mean, it probably took me almost a month, month and a half to be able to walk normally. Mm. So it's at that point, I mean, the rest of your body starts slowing down significantly. It's like, I mean, it's my right hamstring, but it's like, wow, my, even my left hand feels slower because I've just been sitting here for Mm. a month and a half at this point so that that's kind of where the whole you you use it or you lose it obviously your muscle atrophies if you're not using it 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 was it was an interesting experience because it's i mean obviously i knew muscle was going to atrophy from not using something right but just at least for me in particular where it was it made it very difficult for me to move and even use my other appendages to like sit up straight to do upper body Mm. or something. So I was, I was kind of just stuck for, for a while. And during that time for me, it was like, I can feel my brain slowing down. Like I, I don't know how to talk to people. Like it's weird. Like so many things were happening that I felt like were deeper than just my hamstring not working. It was when that happened that it was like, uh, it's it's not just the just the oh, so I can have a six pack and <laughs> look good and and this and that. It's like a, I from being an athlete my whole life to having an injury that basically kind of stops you dead in your tracks for six months and that six months or longer, you start to really see the difference of moving and not moving. Mm-hmm. In terms of not even in my body, but in my brain, especially. Mm-hmm. And it was almost the headspace that that put me in. That was more difficult than not being able to walk. Do, do you think it's, I, I think,
0: I think, I don't, I'm not knowledgeable enough on this. And, and I don't know if anybody is completely, but do you think that's like the design of us and our our like organisms and bodies that if you don't move, as much as it might not seem to, it does literally impact like your whole ecosystem of your body and like it does impact your brain and it does throw everything off like our system our, our, our the body that is our system to work in its optimal way. There's certain things there's movement that has to happen. And if you don't have that, because you hear people say this sometimes right like, like depression might kick in other things might start to happen you might start to feel more tired. Is it, do you think it's like a direct connection? Like it's because that's literally how our bodies were designed to function in that way. And if you remove that movement, the whole thing kind of just can't function.
1: So I, I think that is, is partially has something to do with it. I also think in a, in a strange way, so our bodies were built to adapt like very, very quickly. So I, your your physical body, I think, in that sense will adapt faster than than your brain. So like in, in the last example, right, my physical body was way out of commission long before my brain had fully wrapped itself around the fact that, hey, you're no longer a college athlete.
2: Hmm.
1: And sometimes I think there's, I don't, I don't know how to say, a little bit of a disconnect there, yeah. so to speak. I think that that's kind of where hmm. I think that's kind of where it all it all goes south in a sense. Yeah,
0: it's almost more of like that's what I often wonder. Like, is it a literal connection, the mind-body connection that you'll hear people talk about a lot? Or is it more metaphorical, maybe in the way that you're explaining it, where like it's kind of both to be honest. A little both, it sounds like, yeah. So
1: there's well, I guess let me let me rephrase that because that's kind of kind of what I mean in a weird way. Like my brain metaphorically couldn't wrap itself around the change as fast as like my neuroplasticity, for example.
2: Mm.
1: So kind of it's kind of making alternate little changes in, in my body throughout my brain, and things are things are changing. My self, my conscience isn't like I'm like, why I I why am I not feeling like me? Why am I not yeah. coming back up to speed? Why is why is nothing happening in a sense? But there's there's almost a disconnect between all three of them, between that physical shutoff, there's your your neurons in, in terms of neuroplasticity and how your body adapts internally on a cellular level, which I think is also kind of might get separated from you wrapping your head around what just happened.
0: It's funny. It's a funny thing because I think we tend to think that our brains, our consciousness is our greatest gift, right? Like that's the most Mm -hmm. advanced aspect of us as humans is the fact that you and I could sit here and reflect and you could think about your past and talk about it and be aware of how you felt. But it's interesting when you think about it, the way you're positioning it, our our bodies, that neuroplasticity, that the cells adapting is actually kind of more sophisticated and advanced. Like our minds take longer to accept the fact that something's different now and we need to adjust. Mm -hmm. Whereas our bodies are like, well, let's go. We got to do something different. And they just go and it does it. I never really thought of it in that way before, but that's interesting.
1: Exactly. But yeah, so, and, and I think that's the other thing about kind of when we're, when we're sitting around, right? your brain still has all of these extra senses and all of this extra desire to do something with all of these senses and input that it's giving, but your body's already like, dude, I've, I've shut down. Now that's kind of where we get the depression, confusion, weird sort of feelings, at least for me personally, it was like, my brain feels like one thing. My body's already shut down. I don't understand what's going on from here down through the rest Mm. because they're they're operating on different frequencies whereas they're not usually doing that
0: Mm. well it's interesting too we're talking about dogs it's it's a good parallel example to think about like because i find myself as i said in the pre-show like i like to get philosophical and think sometimes to, to a fault but like are we really better off like dogs don't have that right like it's just kind of visceral and it's their body and it goes I wonder, like, when you really think about it, are we better off having it, having the ability to have that disconnect, or would we be better off if we were just like them? Because if they get hurt, they just, that's it. That's what it is, and they know it, and there's no pondering or thinking about it. Yeah. What do you think? when Because you, you've worked with dogs, obviously, a lot, and you've worked with people.
1: Yeah, dogs have an uncanny ability to kind of shake things off. Yeah. And a lot of like my family members will describe me as like the either Hakuna Matata child or like the duck that just lets everything roll off his back. And a lot of it I think I get from spending time around dogs. It's just like something happens, they see it, take it in, make an adjustment, and and they go. But their their body to psychology, I think, kind of like you said, sticks a lot closer a lot closer than ours sometimes. Mm. Mm. So when we when we sit, we end up with all of these stimuli. And yeah, I mean your brain's still functioning at, at its regular speed. It's still expecting yep. the same amount of either work or or whatever it's it's expecting. Physical work, mental stimulation, this, that, and the other. It's still expecting the same amount, but yep. it's not getting it. And it's wondering why it's in charge of a body that's shutting things off all of a sudden.
2: Mm. Mm.
0: Was it, you, you mentioned your family kind of always thought you were like that. Was it chicken or the egg? Do you think that came from spending time with dogs? Or did you like spending time with dogs because you were kind of naturally like that? Like, what do you what do you think? Was that just inherent in you from when you were young that you had that kind of personality?
1: That's a good question. Realistically, I got my first dog when I was three. I somehow talked my parents into getting me a, a little Bichon-free, so... She was my little homie, she was like seventeen pounds. Uh-huh. So I, I genuinely, to be honest, don't remember ever. Like I don't remember a time of not having a dog. Like I'm, I'm 25 now. I can remember to getting her. It's fuzzy, you know what I mean. I can kind of remember it, but I don't realistically have a lot of memory of existing before. Spending time with dogs. <laughs> really. Now that you mention it, it's, I don't think I've ever thought or said that out loud. That's kind of strange. That's funny. I don't That's think funny. I know a version of me that isn't obsessed with dogs. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> what was it when you were a kid, though? As you try to remember, what was it that drew you to them? Was it like the typical kid thing of just like, dogs are cute, they're fun, it's something to play with, or was there something deeper to it?
1: So I actually have no idea. Like when I truly think about it, one of my first memories is holding her for the first time mm-hmm. as a tiny individual. Like you know, I was sitting on the floor like this, with both arms holding like a three-pound baby Bichon free, right? Mm-hmm. Like she was like the size of a gerbil and I had to hold her in two arms, kind of a deal. So I I, I don't know. <laughs> Always, I I guess. And Hmm. That's interesting.
0: Well, I, I, my personal view is I think regardless of the reason, and even, you know, dog, it could be other animals, different things. I just think there's something to, in the way you're explaining it, when something forces you or, or helps you to think outside of your normal way of thinking. And in your case, it sounds like maybe just being around dogs, trying to understand them and the way they function. And then therefore like recognizing the differences. I think that just helps make us more aware um and better frankly we just have more inputs to process i think whenever we're and this is cliche but like whenever we're in isolation or we just see things one way or we think it's only this way we're always worse off so for you in your case it was it was dogs and dogs kind of showed you like all right there's a certain way humans act but then there's a certain way dogs act and maybe i take a little bit from both and i kind of make it work right however you get that broader perspective is always going to be good and it could be dogs it could be traveling it could be whatever you know it really can be. And that's the yeah. kind of
1: beautiful thing about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I totally it's, agree. Well, let me ask you this. What, where did the inclination, because now you're a personal trainer, right? So you're helping people yes. kind of work through stuff. I think it the way you explain the value of movement and why it's so important, and as we're talking about the mind-body connection, that part makes sense but you could see a world where you say like, all right, I'm just going to do that for me because I'm going to take the benefits of that. Why go out and try and help other people with that? I mean, there's an obvious answer of like, I want to help people. It's the right thing to do, but why a level deeper? Like, why do you think it's important to, to bring that to the rest of the world?
1: So truthfully it makes as, as weird as this is going to sound So I started off as a youth coach before I was a personal trainer for adults, raw people and all of that certain parents having certain habits was affecting my kids in a certain way. And it realistically started out very selfishly because I was an AAU coach. We were starting to go play for championships, big trophies, college scouts coming to look at eighth graders.
2: Mm.
1: I'll be honest. It was it was, <laughs> it was, it was selfish. I was like, look, I need to get you, uh, I need to get you to a certain level so that that can, that can have the trickle down effect that I needed to on on these young ones huh. truthfully it was it was that's kind of where where it all started
2: mm.
1: it was just like I'm real I'm realizing I can only tell an eighth grade kid to make so many changes before you run into resistance at home
2: mm.
1: kind of regardless I can't tell you to eat differently if you don't get to be in charge of grocery shopping mm. right and it was kind of I think noticing more of those things that for me, it was just like, okay, I need to go yell at your dad (laughs) because I can yell at you for eating Doritos, but you're 12 and you don't have a choice as to what's in the pantry. Mm. So me yelling at you, it it doesn't matter. Mm. Right. Got lots of love for you, kid. You're smart. You're intelligent. You're on top of the world. But not at home. Like me yeah. talking to you about what, what goes on grocery shopping doesn't necessarily matter. No, no <laughs> offense, young man. It doesn't matter. I gotta go talk to mom and dad, right? So that's <laughs> as as weird as it is. Yeah, I get it. That's that's how it all started. Mm. It was just is like it 90. at this point?
0: Is it just a job now? And you're like, I got into it and I do it? Or have you found yeah. like, is it is it deeper to you now?
1: Now it's I mean, I just, at this point, enjoy seeing the benefits kind of of mm-hmm. watching people make those changes. So now it's like, okay, well, I'm starting to see some of the fruits of me me doing it at back in the day kind of paying off. So I started, I guess, yelling at people's parents when I started youth coaching in like 2015.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So now I'm at a point where I'm seeing kids regularly who are much larger than me going much farther than me athletically
2: mm.
1: just in their careers. And it's like, it's cool. all right. It worked. It worked better <laughs> than I wanted it to, but it worked. <laughs> now you're six, three and have an attitude in a fourth year. <laughs> it worked, I guess. <laughs> I don't think I like it.
0: <laughs> so here's an interesting question. So you've trained dogs, you've trained kids and you've trained grownups. What's yeah. the, what's the difference is like, what have you found? Is there one that you think, because my, my inclination would be to think that grownups are the worst because they think they know better that consciousness we were talking about before. Right. They think they're smarter. They're more kind of stuck in their ways. Is that generally how it's been? Or like, what have you noticed across the three?
1: It is strange. It's almost kind of like a coin flip mm-hmm. in in a very weird way, When you're going into it with somebody because I've gone into it with people who are like, all right, look, I understand you're professional at this. I don't know what I'm doing and my knees are killing me. Yeah. What are we going to do? And it's like, oh, perfect. Let me lay you on the ground here. We're going to run a couple quick tests. I'm going to figure out what we need to do and then we're going to go do it. Like, it'll, you're going to be fine. Don't even worry about it. Yeah. Right? You've, you've come in and, and talked to me about this soon enough that we can catch this ahead of time. You also get people who come in and it's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to meet at this time. I don't want to talk to you at this time. I don't like that. You put this in my program. Uh, I want to talk to you about this. That's in my program. Cause I don't like it. It's like, look, 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 Hey, <laughs> I love you, but right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if what you were doing before wasn't working, chances are you yelling at me about it and then doing it again, isn't going to make it work. There's, there's no great way of of putting that right. If it didn't work before, you can't scream at me about it, and then it's gonna work all of a sudden magically. If nothing if changes,
0: nothing changes, right? Let's
1: let's move on. Let's stop <laughs> stop telling me what we're going to do based on what you know doesn't work.
0: How do you explain that? How do you think about that? Someone that comes to seek somebody's help but then doesn't actually want their help. Like, is it just the ego? Is it what is it? It can be.
1: It's it's typically either ego or nervousness. Nervousness. Okay. So I notice that's almost another 50-50 split where people are just like, all right, my knees hurt more now than they did 10 years ago. So I'm just assuming at this point they're going to hurt more. There's nothing I can do. If I try something new, I'm assuming it's going to kind of increase the rate at which I'm in pain. And it's already a downhill train. So I, there are some people who kind of come in with that mindset and I think they're just more nervous about, about trying anything. And you can, you can typically tell the difference because somebody who's calling you to ask when they see something that they're nervous about, right. Or that they feel like they're not ready for that, that can sometimes be the case, Mm -hmm it's the the tone of that phone call is very different it's it's generally more of a well look I trust you but I don't think I can do that like I don't I don't know how we're gonna get that done that doesn't necessarily make sense to me and it's just like I I need I need you to go with this because it's it's gonna be what I know 100% works but we're gonna have to actually do it. Right. And to those people, it's it's kind of just coaxing them in. We can maybe look at different different studies or any any different scientific evidence. Kind of I can show them as to why we're doing exactly what we're doing. That that typically for those people works. And it's not, we don't have to have any more argument about it. It's just mm-hmm. like they were, they were nervous because of prior experiences. Yeah, but some people are just like, I was an athlete. I know what I'm talking about. No, or you can't walk, right? You're waddling. Let me help you. Let you. Let me help you. You are not helping yourself (laughs) by (laughs) by yelling at me. There's some people that definitely just don't want to let that a high school highlight reel go.
0: That's for sure. That's for sure. It almost becomes like a um, which which pain is worse? The pain of my knees. Mm -hmm or the pain of my ego, if I have to admit, I don't know what to do with this. And for some people, that ego pain yeah. is worse for them. And they're like, mm-hmm. I'd rather keep the knee pain. They might not say that, right, out loud. They may not consciously oh, yeah. think it, but that's what they're ultimately saying, right?
1: And it's, it's hard, but you kinda gotta try and filter those people out. Cause it's yeah. like, look, man, I, it's not gonna help you to be stressed even more because you have to come argue with me. Right. And if you're not going to do what I'm telling you to do, you're not going to, like, I, I can't heal you by arguing all the time. You know what I mean? That's not, those aren't the steps we're going to take to put your knees back together. Right. Right. So it's, it's kind of tough because those, this, some people do just want to argue with you, yeah. but some people generally are, are, are ex- genuinely nervous it's just like look I'm already hurt I don't want to expedite my pain anymore
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's kind of like they know they need help but anytime you're like okay this is the game plan then it's kind of like oh shit now we actually okay. have a game plan now yeah, I have no. to do something oh my god I know I need help but like now we're here like we're damn, real. that's kind of a yeah like a, mm-hmm. oh this is real uh, apprehension moment those I'm not super worried about. You can work through realistically, that. I've, I've been through it. Yeah, I've, I've been on a PT table with a guy looking at me who I just met saying, hey, I'm going to stick these needles in the back of your leg <laughs> to make your leg feel better. And I'm like, oh, like acupuncture? And he's like, no, these are a lot thicker and they're going to go a lot deeper. We're going to get into your muscle bellies. I'm like, uh he's like yeah no 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 don't worry about it trust me it. <laughs> right trust <laughs> me i got it
0: <laughs> well it, it's great because to me pain and this is the world you live in with a lot of people you work with and it's back to that point where in the beginning like there's this primal aspect of us as animals frankly and pain fascinates me um because it's such a the fear around it, like we naturally, right. This is obvious, almost stupid right, to say right. we are designed to not want pain. Like pain is bad, yeah. right? We get sick. Our body wants to get rid of it. We get injured. Our body wants to heal it. We want to, we want that pain to go away. And and the reason I find it so fascinating is it becomes co- kind of convoluted where when we're in pain, the fear of more pain sometimes keeps us in that same pain. And like the way pain dictates our actions and our moves, And it's like it ties to fear a little bit, but it's so much more primal when it's true pain that you're feeling. Like it gets people to do
1: well. It's it's kind of like like the snowball effect. I Mm. think the more the more chronic your pain is, the more of a giant snowball I have to. So in a sense, right? The kind of that as it rolls, it gets bigger and bigger. The more chronic pain somebody's dealt with, typically the larger of a snowball I have to. In a sense punch my way through and kind of get to the other side of
0: and what is that that's because is it because they've come to accept it and just think that's what it is or is it because they know that pain they're horrified at the idea of more pain and they think both both
1: it's Mm. both Mm. it starts with okay so this is regular oh wait this is getting worse oh wait where is this going to be 10 years down the line right so it starts off with I'm accept. I'm. I'm starting to just accept that this is a reality. Then it's. Oh wait, it kind of got worse from where I accepted mm-hmm. as my reality. Oh wait, what is what is this gonna be like? Now I'm terrified. And typically, if you catch people here, it's 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 a good and bad thing, right? Because it's like, well, you came to get help before something went catastrophically wrong, which is for me i've made mistakes and like i said blown on a hamstring had and had my own legs go catastrophically wrong right i've, I've made those mistakes we're not gonna we're not gonna do that again it's not fun mm-hmm. but sometimes once they get to that fear of fear of pain where they feel like the pain is it's not if i'm in pain it's just how much pain I'm going to be in because I'm going to be in pain regardless kind of fear, Mm. right? Because that's a different fear than if I'm in pain and that's, that's typically where you get the the apprehension from, from nervousness, but it's when things get so chronic that it's your fear is no longer. If my back hurts, when I wake up, it's, my back is going to hurt when I go to sleep while I'm asleep. And when I wake up, Mm when I wake up, am I going to be on a seven out of 10 for pain or am I going to be on a nine out of 10 for pain? Mm -hmm. Once we get to thinking like that, it's a very different mental conversation.
0: It takes over your whole life, right? Like exactly as you are explaining it, it's every moment is thinking about how is the pain going to play into this? Is it going to make it worse? How's it going to be tomorrow? Am I going to be able to go to this event for my kid or whatever? Because yeah,
1: everything. Yeah. And I noticed that's, once once we get to that switch that's typically where where i get people arguing it's not i wouldn't say most of the time actually it's that people have super huge egos i mean sometimes people do have it i it's it's not like i've never seen it because i I have truthfully i have but most of the time it's genuinely more of a more of a fear response than a Than a true marker of agitation yeah and that's something I've, I've found over the years and kind of learned to pick apart mm. but
0: Oof. yeah and it goes back to your value you started with right like that movement is a way to help preempt or get in front of that pain like if you don't want that pain well then there's some things you could be doing to try um, and avoid that and prevent it and again like there's, there's not much worse. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Like, what's your relationship with pain? Because there's some people that at least seem to suggest that, like, you could you can get comfortable with pain. It could be your friend. Oh, yeah. You. you believe that?
1: Yes. Yeah? I'm, I am probably more comfortable with pain than I should be.
0: It's almost an oxymoron, though, isn't it? Like, comfort and pain, mm-hmm. it seems like it, it's almost impossible for it to go together. So how do you, how do you well, think?
1: Well, a lot of us were raised to be comfortable in pain just different sports and sure. to kind of tough it up sort of like I played football growing up. I raced motocross. There was, I mean, and I played basketball and other stuff, but there were a lot of sports I did where it was like, dude, this is going to hurt. Even if everything goes well, <laughs> this, this is going to hurt. So you're, you're going to have to figure out how to, how to kind of tough it out. Right.
0: That's a funky thing though, because again, our minds are kind of designed or or our whole being is designed to avoid that. So like to override that and be like, to willingly go into pain and be like, it's just what it is. That's such an unnatural state of being. I get the benefits of it for sure. Totally get it, right? Most good things come from going through some pain, but it's such an unnatural state.
1: It's definitely an unnatural state. And I will say there are benefits, but there are definitely drawbacks to it. So I guess now I'm at a point where I realized more of the drawbacks that I've dealt with are just the fact that I can run through injuries. So kind of like with that hamstring thing, mm. when I think back on that, my body was telling me for probably two to three weeks before it blew out, that it was going to blow out. And I, it was telling me what, what spot it was going to blow up. Like truthfully, when mm. I think back, when I think honestly, honestly, think back on that slew of events it wasn't just like boom surprise gone i i had warnings mm. there were things that i could have heeded as far as bodily signals so i think that movement it kind of just it makes you in a sense do a do a self check mm. or, or a personal inventory of of what's going on with you
2: mm.
0: As you think back on it, because this is an interesting to the ego point we we're talking about, I'm not, no, we all have egos. So mm-hmm. hopefully you understand what I mean by this. Do you think there's any way that version of you two to three weeks before it blew out, somebody could have said something to you that would have made you be like, you know what? I need to take it easy because to your point, motocross, football, all the stuff you did, there's probably some pride to the fact and, and, and mm-hmm. some like feeling of like, no, 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 my ability to overcome pain. That's what makes me who I am. That's what allows me to achieve these things. To then flip that and be like, you know what? I need to take it easy. My body's telling me something. I need to relax. That's a really hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's any way you could have heard that message and taken it easier at that point?
1: That's such a good question. Because the day I blew it out, I was competing with, with right. one of the guys at practice. I practiced I was back <laughs> and forth with one of our, he ah, was, I, he was a new freshman at the time, but he was this tall kid, super lanky. I mean, fast, fast kid this I mean it's like a when when you're a senior on a team and you're looking at the team and you're looking at some of these freshmen coming on the team it's like well I'm glad we got you all right and so so I'm pushing this kid we're we're going back and forth right and was was there pride involved in that in that of competition? Of course. <laughs> I if if I told you no, I don't. Would you even believe me? It, no, and it's
0: not necessarily a bad thing, right? Pride, pride, pride was one hundred percent
1: involved, right? Yeah. Like it's it's competition, and you kind of have to have a little bit of it, but definitely, I think it taught me a, a difference with being being comfortable with pain and being able to push through an issue Mm. because being comfortable with pain doesn't necessarily always resolve an issue and pain is usually a warning sign of some sort of issue truthfully whether you like it or not Mm. so while pushing through pain may look good if you're not going okay right realistically three weeks before that i should have gone yeah, my hamstring's not feeling great. I need to go talk to my athletic trainer and tell yeah. them I've got this one seam right down my leg that I can feel and it's not feeling great. Mm. And And start doing what I need to kind of rehab-wise to prevent that from even happening.
0: It's tricky though, right? Because even as we're saying that, what makes this so hard is if you go, our minds, right? Our minds are they're tricky you could easily go the other way and start being yeah. like get soft and be like oh i got a little pain like i'm just going to take it easy i'm not going to work that hard i'm not going to mm-hmm. do this thing i'm not going to push through it so trying to find that balance of where you push yourself enough to try and achieve the things you want to achieve but be smart enough to know like "Oh, something's going on here it's not an easy thing right somebody could listen to this and be like "Oh, pride ego that's your problem but it's not because if you turn that off completely then where are you right then you're not you're not doing anything right.
1: Right, then I wouldn't wouldn't be competing at a college level trying exactly. to trying to raise people all over the country.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. But I, I don't know. So to your point, I think I over the years have had to force myself to learn how to categorize pain. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, I think it's it's very useful to be able to categorize it because then you can kind of figure out how you're gonna go about solving the problem. Whereas I always used to just be like, "Ah, hey, push through it, push through it, push through it," mm-hmm. and then I would end up injured, and it's like, "Okay, what happened?" And it's like, mm, "I I probably didn't problem solve as cleverly as I should have problem solved." Mm. Mm. Right, so kind of, I think going into things with, with pretty clear cut categories beforehand for pain that. I'm either going to work out to get rid of or I'm not going to work out at all mm. while having has made the biggest difference for me mm. because then it kind of right it it makes it a lot more objective and when you make it more objective it's I think it makes it more difficult for that ego to be involved yes. in the conversation. Yes. I think the more objective you can make it the it's like your ego might be over there talking right? it might be over there behind your ear, but it's kind of like at this point we've got, we've got the numbers, right? We've got the stats, so to speak. But then you're just kind of like, what are you talking about? ego? Yep. What do you mean, dude? <laughs> that, that doesn't even make sense. Guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> it gives so, you so much
0: clarity on what it really is at that point. Exactly. Possibly. Yeah. Cause but, our mind will play all sorts of mental tricks. Our ego will play all sorts of mental tricks. It helps cut through. Right.
1: And, yeah. So it's like, I've, I had to figure out, like, okay, so there is such thing as like hot burning pain. That's like kind of when my hamstring blew up, to be honest, it burned for maybe a second and then it just kind of like went numb. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. The <laughs> body just turned it off. We're not in <laughs> a good place. <laughs> We're not in a good place. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there's hot pain, there's sharp pain, there's dull pain, there's, I call it kind of cold pain that's like a if you were to stick your hand in an ice bucket and once when you can kind of figure out in what category is this right it, does it feel like a paper cut or does it feel like i put my hand on a stove does it right can we yep. somewhat objectify the type of pain that we're feeling because if you can fig- if you can kind of objectively classify it then it's harder for the ego yes. to get in the way yeah. right so and and for me it's like a i've i've had muscle tears i've had ligament tears i know what both of them feel like right so i can kind of go with like a oh if it kind of feels like there's a hot paper cut in the middle of my knee something's probably maybe not torn torn but something probably isn't all the way connected yeah. the way yeah. that we would expect it to be at this exact moment Mm. and I should look into that (laughs) as opposed to saying okay can I I try and and push the weight higher today Mm. but I think when you when you look at it like a I'm just going to problem solve I'm going to objectively class this pain at least for me I've learned it and it doesn't always pull the ego out of it. It's really? not gonna pull the ego out of it a hundred percent.
0: Ups the odds. Just give you it, a chance.
1: Yeah, it it helps that that. So that's actually a great way of putting it. It helps the odds.
2: Yeah.
0: But yeah, I'll tell you what I love about this, Austin, and and like I said, I like to force things into. Sometimes I force things into bigger philosophical concepts, but I think this is a beautiful one. Everything you're saying right now. Obviously, it's totally applicable because it's what you do, it's your expertise for physical and pain, but you could apply it to mental, to just our way of being, handling emotions, handling mental pain and and stresses and difficulties we deal with. And I Mm -hmm. personally believe that same approach you're articulating is the right approach for that too, trying to understand if you're upset, if you have anxiety around something, if you're feeling a certain way trying to objectively understand what that is because same principle applies our mind will take us all different directions of what we're dealing with and what it is oh no it's that person's fault or it's this or it's that and the goal has to be to get clarity it has to be to get to the truth is it a torn hamstring or is it just a slight tweak right is it you know my 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 wife's a huge problem or is it me is it something else like getting to that answer of what am I actually dealing with is going to up the odds you get into a better situation Um, and and what I think is interesting is I, I can't remember the phrase now but I read something recently, I heard something about this idea, this concept, there's, there's a name for it, but this concept that like nature is the smartest thing we know, right? Like if we're trying to solve a really difficult oh, yeah. problem, we should look at nature because nature has been doing this for millions, billions of years and it's figured it out. And I think you explaining it in the more primal way around how our bodies deal with it, it's kind of a proof point of like, if that works for that, it's mm-hmm. probably going to work for this mental stuff we're trying to deal with too. Um, so I think that's a that's a really interesting thing. I think people could take both sides of this as benefit away from this conversation of the literal, but also the figurative of
1: how they're dealing with stuff. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I got my degree in psychology when I was- Oh, did school,
2: you? So, All right, no so, yeah. surprise.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if that, if that makes sense. So I've always started with physical, especially in being in youth sports, just because I can like like if I'm talking to an eight-year-old trying to identify anxiety, I can't look at you and say, hey, that's anxiety. But if you per se get a turf burn, we're playing at like one of the, the bigger stadiums for once and you you go down and get a turf burn, I can look at a turf burn and objectively know what kind of pain you're feeling mm-hmm. and teach you how to categorize that turf burn. Right. So with the physical, it's easier for me to teach you how to self-categorize what you're feeling because I can objectively yeah. I can objectively tie into that. Like if you get a paper cut, I've had a paper cut. Right. I know what a paper cut's like. Yes. If I get a paper cut, you've had a paper cut. You know what a paper cut's what like. With. So there's there's that it's it's much easier to to kind of have a black and white conversation.
2: Yep. Yep.
1: And I think teaching people to categorize their physical pain a lot of times, so it's kind of like I said from the start, you get this trickle down effect, right, of being able to manage that on your own. Mm. But mm. You, it definitely is is an easier, I think, an easier kind of conversation yes. to teach how to categorize physical than mental and i think once you get somebody who understands how to categorize physical they kind of just by nature have to understand how to categorize their mental yeah yeah so i typically notice i get much deeper conversations out of clients to be honest from 12 to like 50 at all ages once we get some clear understanding of that physical categorization of pain
0: that's super interesting well you segued beautifully too as we come to the end here where i was going to go is like one of many but maybe the biggest takeaway for me in this is um like the the perspective like the 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 awareness you have of like understanding obviously the human body and as we're talking about it but then even how individuals interact with their own body and that perspective and i can't help but think It's like, it's the open-mindedness of it. And and by that, I mean, like where I was at before, like even we were kind of joking, but not really like having dogs and kind of interacting with them and seeing like, what are they about? How do they deal with this? And then your own personal experience and being super aware and what happened there. And then you have all these clients and you're looking at them and seeing how it all plays together. And you're bringing in all these inputs, which allows you to learn. It allows you to better categorize and have these benchmarks to look at and see what you're dealing with, which then allows you to help other people start to figure that out. To me, that comes through loud and clear in this conversation. It's super impressive. Super impressive.
1: Thank you. That's honestly, that's that's realistically the goal is that it It started off with me wanting to take my little brother's basketball team in and go win championships. And now it's just like, a, all right, well, I'm yelling at parents all over, all over the place. My, my dog's currently in here bothering me, <laughs> of course, now that I mention it. That's it. That's uh, all it takes. Well,
0: I'm glad you're doing it. I'm glad you're yelling at people because I think you got a lot of advice <laughs> to be given out there. Um, So awesome, man. I, I appreciate it a ton. I think it's super cool what you're doing, the way you're approaching it. um, And what I love about this show, I hope at least, is that for people listening, like, obviously, if they were to reach out to you, it might be for, you know, physical therapy or other different training, things like that. But to get to hear you in long form and kind of how you approach it, your mindset, where it came from, I like to think that's super impactful. Um, for people to hear that i know it was for me at least i learned a ton from it so thanks man i really appreciate you being on yeah no
2: problem i appreciate you having me all right good luck with the dogs (laughs) thank you (laughs) thanks man